0: Welcome back to another evening of Scotch Hour. I'm Noah, and I'm Jesse. All right, this is the uh, episode of uh, what one hundred seven, one hundred and seven, one hundred and seven. All right. Well, this evening, uh, I think we have a great lineup here for you. Uh, We will be reviewing one of, I know this is a favorite for both of us, and if we did have our reoccurring cast member of Brian, (laughs) I'm sure he would also agree that this is one of his favorites, but it's going to be the Log of Woolen 16. From there, we'll have our Get It Together and shout-outs, our restaurant review, which is the, uh, The Gym in Parker, Colorado, and then our smarter challenge is the best of the Scream movie series. Um, before we have you jump in and tell us a little bit more about the Logavelin Sixteen, uh, please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast if you like uh, if you like our content. Uh, definitely leave some uh, some comments down below. We like to communicate to our listeners and uh, and. I guess apply anything that you guys might uh, suggest to us, and if you have any like ideas for topics for us to talk about, uh, we'd be more happy to talk about those. If there's any uh, scotches within reason, no, no, no like thousand dollar bottles, maybe at this point until maybe we get a sponsorship or something. But uh, yeah, we uh, let us know if you have a suggestion for us and. Uh, Thank you to all the people who uh, listen to us and watch us. I've seen that uh, on um, our Rumble channel. Uh, We had a a bump up in subscribership and a bump up in viewership. So thank you very much for those of you who watch us on there. Thank you for everybody who watches us on YouTube and all those subscriptions and everyone who listens to us on all the other uh, audible audible platforms. Scotch Review.
1: All right, well, this evening is definitely a treat, at least for us. Now, here's where it gets really interesting, though. We have been on a roller coaster ride lately of fantastic scotches. And for this scotch being one of our favorite for three years and longer, it's really got some stiff competition as of That's late. That's what she said. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. We've got some stiff competition. And we're talking about an Obin special release. We're talking about an Ardbeg 19 year old, the and Distillers, the in 11, the in 12. Uh, and the list just goes on of some of these dynamic scotches we've really tried lately. Um, the Ardbeg Oogadal, the Ardbeg um all very. Almore. Oh, man. The Dalmor Sherry Cask Select, like King Alexander III. Um, this was a favorite and has been a favorite since long before my palate got to truly enjoy many of those rides of their own. So... I am eagerly anticipating this will still be a knockout, but where will it really rest? Where will it sit upon the needs of this shelf? Considered by many a connoisseur to be a staple on a Scotch lover's shelf, it has been for mine, but... Now, 107 scotches and more later, it will be truly interesting to see just how dynamic this scotch is this evening. Brief history, pronounce it how you want. We'll say the right way to pronounce it is Isla. <laughs> Uh, The Lagavulin Distillery has been on the island of Isla since 1816 as far as reputable distilling, uh, reputed to have been uh, maybe illicitly distilling since 1742, doing some illegal work before um, everything became legitimate once again. And there in 1816, John Johnson and Archibald Campbell started this distillery there actually started two distilleries upon that island and uh, it is not fully known which one was ultimately the Lagavulin distillery but these two distilleries competed and out came a victor which has been the Lagavulin distillery ever since. Um, tons of improvements in the 1840s, late 1840s and 1949 in particular. Particular, when changes took hand from one brother to another and there was some business going on with Lafroy as far as all of a sudden Lagavuin may have been trying to copy at that point in time. Laphroaig's tasting profile. So using their peat um, or trying to get the same peat and flavor out of it. What came to be was nothing like the Lafroig of then or now. And it is known to be that, that is because they were truly using different water sources And different peat sources to create their flavor profiles. Uh, And oh man, I I think we could both go on uh, about this scotch for long as far as our personal memories that go with it. But with the Lock of One Distillery, it has one of the largest. Uh, variations of scotches that it puts out. So it puts out an eight year, a 16 year, a 16 year distillers. There's a 37 year, a 25 year, an 11 year, a 12 year. They've got other years in there in the mix that they come out with limited runs as well. And uh, some of the more recent slam dunks, if you will, have been the Offerman editions of which we tried not even even six months ago, and I will admit, was definitively a slam dunk for me. Uh, in the last year, it is reputed—I don't know all the details here—that Buchanan Doer Limited has purchased Lagavulin. I'm not sure if that's part of a conglomerate. Joining the Diageo uh, distribution company or not, still need to look further into that. But it'll be interesting to see what comes along. Run with this. I know Noah had looked um, just to give you a, a, an idea about some of the possible tastings at their distillery.
0: Yeah. So here for Lagavulin, their hours, and we're still in the month of March. Um, so if you do happen to go uh, to Skyling, you're in the area of Isla, and you're going to go visit the distillery there, their hours are open Monday through Sunday from 10 a.m. Uh, to 5 p.m. Uh, but starting in April through September, uh, it's going to be Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. And then Saturdays and Sundays from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, with that, they do offer three types of tours. Uh, the first tour is the Lagavulin Classic tour, uh, and then from there they have the and Tasting Experience, and then the Lagavulin Warehouse Experience, which is probably the one that, if you want to gain the, the most bang for your buck, is what you're going to want to do. But it's probably also the I believe the, the more expensive of the three. And I know we go a little bit more into detail of that uh, in some of our previous ones. I think you can just go back to our Lagavulin Eleven. Episode, I believe I go a little bit further into detail of each one of those tours. Uh, I just wanted to just do a brief recap of the three that they're offered as well as the hours that they're open uh, since we're getting ready for a changeover from March into April.
1: Yes. And one of the pieces about the Lagavulin Distillery, they've got their two wash stills with an output of approximately 11,000 liters and their two spirit stills with an output of approximately 12,500 liters. Um, They are known for their slow distillation process. And they're pear-shaped stills, so quite different than Glen with the longest necks on their stills. Oh, the yeah, the giraffe stills in the business. These are pear-shaped. Maybe is that like an ogre or a troll? I don't know. I don't know
0: say. Is, there, is, is there a animal
1: like a penguin? <laughs> Maybe I don't think so, but you know, it's a it's if a good.
0: Are slow, right?
1: I mean, penguins are can be slow. <laughs> is it like
0: a pear-shaped box?
1: a little bit they also give rocks though
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> they also live in very cold so that could you know apply we are talking about this southern portion of the island of isla and oh man uh, the flavors that are typical of the Lagavulin and 16 are both very dry and very rich. Um, and I'm looking for that hint of cherry to see if it's really still popping out like it did in the Offerman 11.
0: Yeah, hopefully it will. And for those of you who probably didn't hear me talk about the tours, I had myself on mute, so hopefully you heard me the first time around. <laughs> <laughs> but in any case uh, real quickly uh <laughs> practicing a sign language <laughs> they have three tours they have the classic tour then they have the uh the log and tasting experience and the log will and warehouse experience which is probably gonna be the best best bang for your buck um, and then they're getting ready to do a switch over in hours so right now in the month of march 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And then April through September is 10 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. That's only Monday through Friday. And then Saturdays and Sundays are 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. And then you might have missed my comment about the steels. I thought I was asking Jesse if uh, the uh, penguin was the Lagvulin spirit animal, unlike the giraffe with uh, Glenmorangie because they have a pear-shaped body and they move slowly, but – we discover that's probably not the best bet. Maybe it's a seal. Who knows? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Yeah, but it, it, no one goes and beats like beats Lagavulin, right? Like a baby seal. <laughs> oh no, You never. Am I not supposed to say that? You can't beat baby seals, uh, can you? you? Would make
1: a hell of a coat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do they even talk about beating baby seals anymore?
1: I don't know if people it, it used to be a
0: big thing back when, in the early 90s, beating baby oh, seals.
1: it wasn't. That's when they really were trying to use that as far as why not to wear animal skins, including leather, but particularly fur. Uh, but yes, in the early 1900s and in the 1800s, in order to not damage seal skin with a knife or a round, a shell, a bullet, they would beat them uh, to collect, there's but cricket bat or what? Uh, I, I don't even know. <laughs> I was, uh, as far as I know, not part of that in this life or a previous one.
0: <laughs> Do you think you remember if you were a part of it in a previous life?
1: Pretty sure you can't unsee those things. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was probably pretty Think about the damn walrus coming after you when you're beating its kid. Like, if you get horned by that, you deserve it. You deserve to I'm just die. trying
0: to think about your rabbit story. It's just like the
1: scream, and you know, it's just like the scream movies. There are some of these people where you're like, yeah. You just got stabbed. You deserve that. I don't feel sorry for you. <laughs> Goodbye. And there's others like, damn, that looked like a hurt. <laughs>
0: damn, <laughs> brother.
1: I feel sorry for her. She don't deserve to die as far as I know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, time to pop it open. It
1: is. So with this, there is this oh, very, I would say as traditional colored Forest green box with a little off white insignia and gold. The bottle itself, pretty fantastic, great shape, off white coloring, much like in the box. Um, symbolic, a little bit of glasswork, 1816 Isla. Um, And I have to admit, I love the color of the glass. I have always loved what they have done with the foil and the label and the box. The colors go wonderfully. This makes me think of an elegant, sophisticated scotch.
0: Were you mentioning the other day, though, like uh, the Lagavulin 8 had moved from a wood top to a plastic top? That
1: was definitely not wood. Just saying. She knows. So with that, uh, I think uh, more and more of these distilleries are moving away from, uh full on cork to press cork and wood toppers to plastic toppers rather and that includes some of our favorites and some of the best scotches we've had including the Dalmore.
0: Yeah. Well let's open this one up see if it's wood or plastic.
1: I mean <laughs> let's see if the wood went in. <laughs> oh man, this is gonna be a tough call. Is definitely not as obviously plastic as the eight. I won't let you be the judge here. Uh-oh. I I think it's probably still plastic, but it could go either way. It's definitely not as plastic y as the eight was if it is.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I I want to say it's wood.
1: All right. Well, if you're unless, sixteen, Unless the
0: scratching that I did there. Is, doesn't show me it's wood. I think.
1: If the sixteen, if you're sixteen, you still get wood. If you're eight, you better stay away. You got plastic. <laughs> um, this one feels different. Whatever the composite or the material is, it definitely it might be feels like a press wood or something. It, it Doesn't, doesn't
0: have like the weight of like a real like a like the older wood ones.
1: Well, that's where it gets tricky. Is pressed wood is actually heavier than regular wood okay. because of all the damn uh, materials they use to press it I don't know, together. But it feels
0: lighter than normal. But like when you scratch it, though, it looks like it, it looks like it'd be more wood than it is uh, plastic.
1: It definitely feels and sounds like wood to me. The other one was definitively composite and plastic. Mm, material, Um, but this one looks like if it is plastic they went out of their way to at least give it some wood grain (laughs) oh now the many memes Noah has sent out over the years, I feel like I need a band-aid right now
0: Is it unchill filter for her pleasure?
1: Unchill filter. Um, I don't see anything in particular mentioning if it is all natural color. chill filter.
0: All right. Well, I guess this is our time for our cheers and uh, warp speed. So it's time
1: to go play doctor and nurse. <laughs> cheers! Cheers!
0: <laughs> Log of Ruling 16 is our, well, <laughs> I'll say this, is one of my favorite. I know it's, and I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I believe it's one of your favorites, and I think for a good reason. And uh, it just does not disappoint. I mean, every time we've had a Log of Ruling 16, it's always delivered. And I don't know if it's just due to our, you know, our maturation of uh, of all the different types of scotches that we tried over the last two years, and our tastes our tastes have uh, have started to uh, develop, and, are, and we were able to pick out things that we like more and more. I'm not exactly sure if the uh, recipe has changed, but there's definitely something different this time around drinking this uh, Lagavulin 16 than like the previous times I've tried it. <laughs> Um, as we all know, I'm pretty much like a big, huge open fan. (laughs) Open 18 has been typically my number one, but after drinking this one here tonight, I, I may have, I'm going to have to go re go back and revisit open 18 and see whether or not that is my favorite, um, to begin here, uh, for the color. I have a a nice medium, uh, goldish Amber color is what I put. Uh, and I like the color. Uh, typically it's not as it's it's not quite as dark as I would like it I like it just to be just a hair darker but I still uh, am giving it five points out of five. Um, now going into the aroma the aroma here, uh, well wait, before I talk about the row, well, I'm gonna talk about the packaging. The packaging, it has like a nice force, I think it's like a dark force green color with some gold. It's classy, it's a very classical look. I love the I love the green with the gold. Um I love the uh the bottle. It has a nice like bottle with the uh with the Lagavulin uh founding date embossed on there and or burned in or whatever, but uh and the and the nice like I don't know if it's like, is it tan or cream color label? I'm not sure what color that is is. I'm going with cream, but any case to me, it just, it just, it spells classy. And if you're talking about class and you're talking about like, there's like old money and new money, this screams to me more like old money than it does new money. And there's like a classical view, like a classical versus uh nouveau riche. Uh, Jesse knows me. He's known me for quite a while. Uh, I tend to like things more on the classical side than I do the nouveau riche side of things. Less
1: Versace, more purple label Ralph Lauren. <laughs> yeah,
0: so <laughs> I do. I, I really, I really dig this uh, the, the the packaging, the labeling, and the box. Uh, but once again because I had to revamp my scoring for what is considered to be a five uh, it's it doesn't have anything really intricate or anything like really makes this packaging stand out other than I love how classical it looks uh, so it, it has to it, to get that five it has to have like that one step up maybe like a nice uh, box uh, like a wooden box that you have to open or that's uh, that swivels or something something cool but it doesn't have that doesn't have that that five level cool factor to it, um, but I still love it a lot. Now for the aroma, now so oh I guess I should say packaging is four out of five. So five out of five on the color, four out of five on the packaging. Um, next going to the aroma here. There's so much uh, complexity that going that's going on here, and I love it. Um, one of the first things I get is almost like a slight cherry bomb. I get like the nice sweet cherry. Uh, uh, hints here with some brine, like the like uh, that you get from like uh, being near the ocean, um, that, that sea breeze. Like that's something I really love about the obens a lot, and this actually you're getting at a lot here. Uh, I, I get like some hints of oiliness in there, um, with slight hints of uh, smoky peat, and uh, this is something that I kind of forgotten about until recently. I had some. Uh, I had some purchased uh, some Earl Grey. and when I spent some time in Ireland, I used to drink some Earl Grey during tea time and stuff like that. And I really love Earl Grey and i actually uh, started to get some hints of Earl Grey. So this is kind of nice as a as a nice uh, pleasant treat here. And I actually got a little bit of that Earl Grey all the way through, uh, even from the tasting and into the finish. So um, with that going into my um, into the palette here, uh, once again, I, I still get some of that, that cherry sweetness with some brine. But you get that nice creamy vanilla that coats your mouth with some caramel and some malt. Um, there are You still have the same um, stuff that you would expect from Lagavulin with some of the peat and the smoke. But here's the a, here's a difference here. I remember before drinking Lagavulin 16 and it being more heavily smoked and more heavily peated, than what this version is. And I like this is why I think, like, either my my palate's changed or the recipe has changed, or maybe both, because now it seems like the palate, uh, uh on my palate, seems like the peat and the smoke is more subdued than it had been in previous versions of this. And, uh, it has a nice, and because of that, it allows the nice fruity sweetness to be more prevalent in this one here. So you're getting that, uh, like the vanilla, the the fruity sweetness, along with the uh, uh, the brine and the cherry, all going through your your palate from the front palate to the mid palate, and then when it starts going to that back palate, you're st- this is where like the peated smoke starts coming back in, and this is where I started noticing the Earl Grey again a lot more, uh, that Earl Grey tea and some fig. Uh, And I just love it. I just, I really dig this. I love the finish. So here uh, for the aroma, I gave it 28 out of 30 points. Uh, For the palate, I gave it 29 out of 30 points. And then for the finish, I gave it 28 out of 30 points for a grand total. And if my math is correct, 94.
1: (laughs) Your math is correct.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait, show me that again. (laughs) Awesome. So I'm going to pass this over to you, Jesse, so so we can hear what you have to say.
1: All right. So with my tasting of this, the first thing I want to say is what I am delighting in right now is that I'm not a, a, a spring chicken, but this scotch makes me remember and feel alive like a 21-year-old. Um, you know, being a couple years older, it changes vastly, I'm sure. But with that, um, with the, uh, the full package here, this makes me feel alive. It brings my senses joy. The sight of the box and the bottle and that... Um, I'm going to call it medium amber color, which I also gave a five. Uh, Interestingly enough, I also gave this color a five because it is delightful. And part of the presentation, I also gave a four. And with the presentation, man, it's classy. I love it. It's not ancient. It doesn't make me feel old. It makes me feel respectful a bowl um and makes me want to be respectful to appreciate and i think that is my word for this scotch as we start and we'll finish is i appreciate this scotch um Whenever anyone asks me, you know, my version, my definition of appreciation, uh, because there is recognition and there is appreciation, recognition, you know, you say, hey, uh, so-and-so, I love your hat, and that's easy to say to no, he's got a different hat on every week, so no, I love your hat. That is recognition. You've got your hat game on. Uh, Appreciation is, is the next level up, and for Noah, that might be, hey, Noah, I love the state behind your hat you're wearing this week x y and z going into the details making him understand you understand the message and with most of his hats that is his intent Um, another version of explaining appreciation would be man when you bought a picasso if you could buy one when he was a starving artist for next to nothing and then before you know it 30 years later you still got this you've always loved it on the wall but now it's it's priceless It is priceless on this wall, but you have always loved it. That is that appreciation that both others and you can see. You love it that much more. um, And whether or not you love it that much more because you held on to it 30 years or because it went from a $5 painting to a priceless one, the appreciation factor is there. You give it value even when it didn't have any to anyone else. Appreciation doesn't have to be done by the masses, it can be done singularly. And with this scotch, which I do believe, is appreciated by many a mass. I appreciate it. It is something I value. So the presentation is a four. The color is a five. The nose. All right, where do we start with these next uh, little groupings? The nose. Like Noah said, right off the bat, there is this hint of cherry. And for me, that hint of cherry, again, brings this youthful, exciting, lovely um, nose of Cherry Kool Aid. It is that sweet Kool Aid that, as a kid, pops right out, and then it goes into the peat and the smoke and the brine or seaweed. It's a little. It's a little ocean. It's a little more than just the mist and. Uh, on the nose, it kind of finishes with a matured sherry. So they're definitely using some Oloroso Rosso um, or some sherry casks during the process of aging this 16-year scotch. Uh, so also, much like Noah, and we don't share these scores beforehand. So for now, 3 out of 3, 28 on the nose. We get to the palate. Oh, Once again, this palate does not disappoint. It excites me. It brings between the peat and the smoke and the brine and the malt and the cereal and the cherry that in that palate is there from uh, beginning to mid-finish. It is thick. It is sweet. It is everything I want as a teenager, drinking the world's best Slurpee or Icy, it is fun. It is exciting. Um, And obviously, as a scotch, it is well-balanced. So they have taken the sweet. They have taken the salty, the brine with the cherry, with the peat and uh, the smoke. And it finishes. And the palate gives, again, Interestingly enough, as Noah gave it a 29, um, the finish, uh, the thick, sweet, syrupy finish continues with that of dates and peat. And Vanilla Oak. Um, And for the finish, I gave it a 28. And so much like Noah, again, this has been very surprising because before this, I thought we were both going to have a slightly different score, but be close in range. Uh, And as it turns out, it's not a slightly different score. It's the same score, a 94. And... Um, this scotch, I don't know how else to define it besides it is a superb example of craftsmanship from the distilling process. So it is men- mentioned at the beginning of the show, it is a slowly distilled scotch in a pear shaped still. They have done whatever they do exceedingly well. And what it brings to me is a heartfelt love, appreciation for friends, for family, for the craftsmanship that goes into this. I'm not saying this is the only scotch that's ever done it, but no scotch has done it for me to this extent. Um, and when I think about friends and experiences, weddings like your mother's, um, different things where a log of 16 has been in my life, And I will forever remember it, uh, the experience, as well as the scotch that was tied with that. And so because of that, as we talk about would we, uh, you know, we move to this next step. Would we take it to a poker game? Man, if these are friends I care for. The price point is not cheap. Noah paid almost 200 or uh, 130 bucks for this, uh, roughly 130 bucks with tax here and in, in the States. That's what it's going for right now. Um, that's a pretty average price. Uh, if you like your friends at poker game, I'm taking this to poker game. Would I take this to a formal event? Absolutely. If anyone's complaining about this, it's time to educate them on the island of Isla and what has gone into this. This scotch, um, which was first officially founded in 1816, but we know had illicit, illical, uh, illegal behaviors for almost a century before that, um, and then has come to this uh, rich, peaty, smoky 16 year a uh, beautiful bottle. Um, Noah, thank you for selecting this. It's been tough. We've talked about it for, we're going on three years now. We've talked about this for three years. We haven't brought it on the show. And my whole point was I was always too afraid to, uh, because I'm like, man, I don't, is it gonna be that good? Is it really gonna stand up to the memories that uh, fall behind this? And the answer is yes.
0: It's time for our shout-outs. Do you have any shout-outs this week?
1: I got to give to Sons and Red Bull and even Verstappen starting at 15th, ending second. And then, man, Alonzo and his Austin Martin finishing third ahead of the Mercedes-Make vehicles um, of Russell and, yeah, Hamilton. Um, great job for you guys nailing it in Saudi Arabia, and particularly for me, Verstappen for coming up from 15th to second and really having a great race after a tragic uh failure during qualifying. That was pretty fantastic.
0: Um, I forgot all about that race. And- <laughs>
1: Watch it. It's not that exciting except for the key points.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, my shout out is also sports related, but it's going to be University of Colorado sports related, which <laughs> is going to go to uh, coach prime of the University of Colorado football team. Um, as I mentioned, uh, probably about a month or so ago, he's the, he's the new head, fo- head football coach of, of Colorado football and He's trying to like, I guess, revamp uh, a, what was once a powerhouse um, dynasty in football. As far as Colorado, you know, for for football, the Colorado used to be like a, you know top twenty five in wins. They used to be a perennial top twenty five football program, but uh, to bring in this new type of uh, attitude, in he uh, basically told all the players that you have to earn your number. So uh, every player that had a number there previously they lost their numbers. So starting with this, uh, with, the uh, with spring training, um, every player has to earn their number. And if they, and then once they earn their number, like if, if the coaches and everyone like agrees, like, yeah, this guy is doing what he needs to be doing. And he is the guy, then he can pick his number. And then, you know, and then if some other guy wants to say number as that guy, if he doesn't, if he doesn't perform, uh, better, faster than the other guy, he's going to lose out on that number. And I think it's kind of good because Coach Prime talked about like how like when he was a kid and he's a little bit older than us, um, but uh, he said like he had to earn everything in life. And I think that that's a problem is that you talking about like this newer generation, things are given to them and he's old school and and things need to be earned. And so he took all their numbers away and says you have to earn that number. And I think that was kind of a respectable, like trying to teach that to the younger generation of, Things need to be earned and not given.
1: So not everyone gets a trophy anymore.
0: No, at least not on <laughs> the, the University of Colorado football squad.
1: It's interesting because the form of the one I grew up with was the same. Based on how you finished the year previous, um, allocated your number for your car in the next year. So if you finished um, first, then your team got numbers one and two. If you finished second and you weren't of the same team, then your car, your team got numbers three and four, and so forth and so on. And I agree with that as you mentioned because to me there's a different piece of that, which is yeah, you don't just automatically get. Oh, I want I always want to be number seven or seventy seven or six or sixty six or five or fifty five. Um, it is no you get the numbers that your team and you earned in the previous year. And I think there's something respectable about that because you can lose it the next year. Look at Hamilton. Yeah. Gone. (laughs) So um, I really support what coach prime is doing there.
0: Yeah. So I thought that was kind of great to see him do that. Um, And then I guess my get it together, unless you have any other. uh, Okay. So my get it together I was going to do another shout out and wrap it into my get it together, but I'll just kind of put it all into my get it together here. It has to do with the banking system meltdown. Um, here, I mean, I'm really going to give a, a get it together to uh, the Western civilizations, uh, the American people, the British people, all everyone in, in, the, uh, in the Western civilization, and say, like, you guys all have to get it together. Because if you don't understand... Uh, the BRICS countries right now, which are like Russia, China, Brazil, they're breaking away from the petrodollar. dollar, and they are starting now the uh, the uh, Petro Yuan, uh, and the Petro Yuan is now going to be traded into gold, and they are, the BRICS the BRICS nations are starting a whole new currency base that is all uh, is all backed by gold currency. All backed by gold where if we had followed our constitution from the get-go we would still be a commodity-based uh monetary system backed by gold and silver but we went away from that and now we're a paper fiat system and the only reason why the united states economy is doing as well as it has been and hasn't actually hit hyperinflation and all that right yet is because of the petrodollar once every once these uh, nations start to leave the, the petrodollar and go to the petro yuan the united states and all the western civilization banks are all going to be totally screwed and we're all going to hit hyperinflation uh, but with that there is a new monetary system that's coming into play which people are starting to hear about which is cbdcs which are a central bank Uh, digital currencies, and in order to do these cross-country transactions, they're now starting what's called the the new ISO 20022, uh, which is backed off or which is based off or built off of the RippleNet. And so all of those people who are uh, crypto hodlers, uh, hodling stuff like uh, Stellar, lumens or uh xrp or anything else that uh works with the is uh, the iso two zero zero two two uh cryptocurrencies um i'm gonna give you guys a shout out because you guys are all pretty much aware of all the stuff that's going on but everyone else you need to get your act together and start doing some research and find out what the f is going on because it, you don't want to be caught with your pants down when the banking system has the full, complete meltdown, which we are in the process of witnessing firsthand, and it's going to be worse than the Great Depression. That, that's, that's, that's my get
1: All right. Mine is not as much doom and gloom as Noah's. <laughs> But what I will say is uh, Mercedes in particular, but even some of the other high-end teams in Formula One who are not performing to the likes of uh, Honda Red Bull Racing or the Mercedes-Austin Martin team, uh, they really need to get it together. And I, I got to say, you know what, Alonzo, good for you For uh, really taking it to the man, so to speak, and bringing out this piece of um, it is a full package. And whether Alonzo is responsible for 10% of it, 20% of it, 50% of it, 90% of it. You have to work with your team to develop a car that you feel one with. And that is Hamilton and Russell's biggest complaint right now is that they don't feel, well, Hamilton in particular, which I feel like has always been someone to find the first complaint, doesn't feel at one with a car. Well, what have you done to feel at one with the car? My guess is nothing. So um, that is my get it together. What action are you taking? Start supporting the team that's uh, working countless hours to develop a car to suit you if you're not suiting yourself to that car.
0: restaurant
1: review all right this week's restaurant review is the gym in parker it is right there off of main street just west of parker road
0: yes uh i was looking at the other road which was uh trans transfield <laughs> yes okay Transfield road yeah so uh, I was looking for that name. <laughs> so Main Street and Jansfield Road is basically where it's at. Arriving to this place, I wasn't exactly sure if I made it there, even though I used GPS to arrive. Because, like, when you first pull in, uh, off of, like, I, I came off of Dansville I didn't come off of Main Street or anything like that. So when you first come in, you see, like, a, a strip mall that has a bunch of restaurants. But you don't see this particular restaurant, uh, the gym. Uh, so you have to go a little bit. Of, you have to go past this main parking lot into, like, the next section where it looks like you're going into, like, a backside of a building or something. But um, that's where it was at. So at first, I wasn't quite sure I, I, I made it to the right spot. When you walk in, um, this place looks like it could be a very fun bar. It has a lot of potential, but uh, when we went there on a Monday, which we normally go to most of our restaurants on a Monday um, at like 4.30, um, 4.45-ish, we did hit happy hour, but I don't think happy hour really kicked in. And this is also a weekend after a, after a big drinking holiday would be in St. Patrick's Day. Uh, so there's very few people in there. They do have a couple of foosball tables. They have a couple of billiard tables in there. Some video games. I saw they even, they even had a family guy bowling game in there. Um, and uh, like I said, it looks like it could be a fun place it, when it's hopping. Probably, I would assume, like on a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night's. Uh, but it felt pretty dead when we were in there. So high potential. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt that they're busy on those nights. Uh, looking at the menu, they have like a, a wide variety of uh, things on their menu. There's a couple things on the appetizer list that I would have liked to have tried. But I wasn't super hungry today. Um, so I didn't venture to go into the uh into the appetizers. What I did do is I did order their one of their pizzas because um, I read online that their pizzas got pretty good reviews. So I went with their Hawaiian pizza. I forget what it was actually called on their menu, but it's the ham and pineapple pizza. Um, it was okay. It wasn't the worst pizza I had. It, def- <laughs> it definitely wasn't no Seven so 11- yeah, Eleven. Yeah, it definitely wasn't no Seven Eleven pizza, which is probably like the worst pizza I ever <laughs> had in my life. <laughs> I mean, it was good when we were
1: hung over and eating the pie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but it's definitely not the best pie I ever had either. So uh, would I go back there and eat another pizza? Possibly. But uh, I think what I would have liked, and maybe if, they, maybe if they had this choice, I didn't ask. But if they did it maybe as a thin crust where it was like a cru- uh, crispy bottom, I probably would have liked that. I think I got spoiled when I spent some time out in New Jer- uh, southern Jersey, uh, right across the river from Philly. Uh, there there's some places there that had some great pizzas where, like, the crust was more like a saltine-type cracker type of deal. So I really enjoyed those thin crust pizzas from there. But in any case, pizza was decent. Uh, the salad, I got a side salad that came with it. Um, you could make the same kind of salad at home, really. It's just, like, your basic iceberg lettuce with some onions and tomatoes they put a crap load of croutons on there, which is not usually my type of thing, but it tasted well enough. And, um, uh, so overall, I think like the, the food itself, I'm going to give it like, a. it wasn't super impressive to me as far as the taste goes. Uh, I'm going to give it a six. It's, and I think this falls kind of like in the middle area. It's not fast food. It's not, uh, it's not high end. It's like one of those middle areas. And it definitely is a sports bar. So, Um, I'm going to give the food a six. There's probably potential to be higher, maybe because I didn't order the right food. The waitstaff, I'm going to give her... She was friendly enough. Uh, She's fairly prompt. And the nice thing about her is that she even did check in with us even after after Mm. we paid our bill while we were still drinking the rest of our beers. So I'm going to give her a seven. And the atmosphere, I'm going to give a seven. So I guess even with the food being a six, I'm going to kind of give it the benefit of the doubt because maybe I ordered the wrong thing. I'm going to give it sevens all the way around as far as like an overall score. Uh, I would recommend if you're in Parker, give it, give the place a shot. You might like it. Uh, they seem to have like a great list of different types of burgers on there. So maybe I should have gone that route. They look like they had a couple good like uh, chicken sandwiches. And some of their appetizers sounded pretty good. Um, like they had some jalapeno poppers and some wings. And uh, I know you're going to talk about their the nachos here coming up uh, since you got those. But they did look like they had some decent food there. But, um, yeah, overall, seven. Would I take a first eight there? Probably not. <laughs> um, not unless it's like on the way to something else maybe. Uh, would I meet some friends there? Definitely would.
1: I did have for myself the movie night nachos, and during happy hour, they're a dollar off, so $8.95 with carnitas, and I will say it was more than I could eat. It was a jumbo plate of nachos. I loved the pepper jack cheese, the carnitas, the pico de gallo on top. The chips were crispy. I love tri-colored chips. The purple or blue, the red, and the white. Um, All of it was fantastic for me. Um, So I would say ultimately for me, the environment was the one thing that was a little weird. And Noah mentioned as we drive up, um, I'm like, okay, so... if this place doesn't do well, I know why. Everyone's driving by thinking it's a gym, not a bar, right? Like, literally, it's in a yes. strip mall, and it looks like it would be more likely to be a gym, to go work out in than a bar to go lift 22-ounce drinks in. (laughs) So with that, um, that's probably their one thing. The environment was a six for me. Now, that's the lowest score uh, because the staff, as Noah mentioned, the server, our server, she did a really nice job and she did continue to come back around. She was also running around rampantly working her tail off, vacuuming carpets, cleaning other people's tables, doing a lot. Um, So shout out to you for staying busy and really being one of the better pieces of the environment, Uh, the food for me, my nachos, they were a nine. Um, And so the question, the number in question is value. Um, And those nachos were a huge value, man. The beers, as you pointed out, though. Man.
0: (laughs) The beers were... uh, beers
1: were pricey. Yeah,
0: you got deep pockets (laughs) for the beers.
1: So after happy hour, dollar off, the beers were still eight bucks a pop. Um, And I was drinking the Stardust IPA, which was, uh, you know, for me, that's worth every penny. Uh, But when I can get a six-pack for $1.50, $1.99 more than I bought one beer for there, uh, I would probably in the future just go buy a six-pack and make my own nachos but it gets tough. So um, value, total package, eight. Again, food, a nine. Staff, a seven. Environment, a six. So seven and a half. We're going to round it up to eight was the total score. Um, This is not a fast food restaurant. It's also not a high-end restaurant. Um, And would I take a first date there? It's kind of like you. I didn't love the total picture so if i was already there and we're just starving for some nachos and a beer yeah maybe would i meet a friend there yeah maybe but what's tough is just the other side of parker road is the tailgate and i will go meet a friend or take a first date there any day (laughs) (laughs) so i had the answer to those two questions is most likely it would not be my first choice
0: This week's Smarter Challenge is the best of the Scream movie series. So, uh, to start off here, I guess we'll talk about which one is your favorite uh, Scream movie and why. Ah,
1: so, this is tough. Because I really enjoyed Scream 6. But I got to go back to the original. Scream 1 was definitely still my favorite. There is just something about, particularly the killers, um, and, you know, Wes Craven, who (laughs) directed uh, Screams 1 through 4, and did not do 5 or 6. And if anyone's wondering why, it's because he's dead. (laughs) (laughs) Died in 2015. um, Did great things with many scary movie franchises, including Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, But with all of that, um, man, Billy Loomis and Stu Macker as Skeet Ulrich and Matthew Lillard, man, they were my favorite killers. They ultimately paved the way for even Scream 6. Um, And there was just something more genuine and sexy um, sexy about Billy Loomis played by Skeet Ulrich um, and then just genuine about Stu Mocker uh, played by Matthew Lillard that I really liked because I'm like this guy,
0: he's like, hey, you call me too deep man, <laughs> like
1: I will always remember that because he was the guy that was the friend of the guy who's out screwing tons of people having kids we find out six movies later spoiler alert <laughs> um, that was just a ton of fun for me so my favorite uh is still scream one my second favorite though um and and scream two was good i love timothy oliphant but my my second favorite is scream six and that is just because of the whole point that they go through making well it's not a reboot and it's not a sequel so we got to do a recall that's five though is that five Okay, so it's
0: Six is where the whole family from... Yeah, so I I guess
1: crazy enough, five is my second favorite then, um, because I just love... Yeah, you're right. I totally goofed that. Uh, Five is my second favorite, because that whole piece where she really goes into this emphasis of reality. Which is none of this is going to make sense anymore, except that it's all going to be true to the nature, which is it's going to be the love interest. And it's going to be X, Y, and Z. And you're you're going to question your sibling or your friends or those that are closest to you, but they're ultimately going to die or be good to you. So Boy,
0: you're stupid. Dewey nailed it in one.
1: <laughs> yeah. Always look at the love interest. Yeah. Um, and the one-liners in five, impeccable (laughs) like just fantastic
0: (laughs) all right so i agree choosing which one is your favorite is uh definitely super duper hard i mean there's something to be said for the original because it starts it all off and uh like uh like you mentioned the fifth one the recoil is (laughs) is basically like it's like a it's like a remake of the of the original, but it's not because as they talk about that movie, you just can't do a remake anymore. <laughs> you got re you got to bring back the legacy characters, and you got to you know invent the new character, bring in the new characters, and kind of do some like mishmash there. So those two are both really awesome. Um, but I am I am stepping away from the the original, and then the re-requel which I would say is like the new original. Uh, or the new base going back to basics as they talk about in that movie. And I'm going to say number six is my favorite. And I think the reason why I like number six so much is obviously the, the acting I think is, is done fair is done pretty well, but I love how there's mo- more than just two killers in this one. Um, and I like how they did it kind of like an homage to all the previous Ghostface, from all the previous uh, five movies, uh, or in their case, they don't really say five movies. They talk about the 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 stab movies, and uh, I, I had a kind of a great twist with it, and it even brought back like one of the uh, old, uh, well, brought back a legacy uh, person from the original. Uh, which would be uh, Courtney Cox's character, the reporter. I forget her name off the top of my head, and then it also brought back um, someone from Scream Four. Uh, she's, which is now a uh, she's an FBI uh, agent. But in any case, I thought it was a really fun ride, uh, and Jenna, Jenna or- Ortega has become kind of like a horror movie queen now, with like her work in X, and uh, her work in uh, Wednesday Adams, and so- and now with, it, uh, with Scream 5 and 6, and I think she does a phenomenal job, and uh, I, I really just enjoyed 6, 6- to me it was just like a fun ride all the way around, so...
1: Well, and you mentioned five and six, and what I love about this is those two in particular play true to Scream 1, which yes. is in Scream 1, Billy is the main antagonist, Um, and he is trying to get back at Maureen Prescott, who is the woman... uh who broke up his mother and father. So no doubt he's screwing around because that's what he learned from his mother. And uh, his mother is the one who broke up another relationship and ultimately causes a sister that's unexpected. Uh, Again, spoiler alerts for uh, Scream 5 and 6. And it's pretty fantastic that they did reel it all the way back into Scream 1 and this piece about uh, Billy's father and mother and the opposite
0: so all right so my next part which i think you already spoiled it here is the next thing here is like uh who were your favorite killers or killer because there's one movie where it's only one killer
1: uh yeah for me still it goes back well number one for me is still Scream 1, and it is Billy and Stu, and I just loved that duo uh, because at first... They played it off perfectly for me. Uh, in the movie, it was directed and written well. So you think it's one, and all of a sudden, he's right there, and there's Ghostface on the left. And then you think it's the other one, and he's right there, and then there's Ghostface on the right. And with that, those are my favorite. And then I agree with you, though, as we venture in. I honestly, like 5 is my second favorite movie. I hated the killers. I was happy when they died. But 6? Uh, Again, to your point, well done with the killing trio at this point and the reasons like I'm not saying it's justified, but justified.
0: Well, I think it's uh, as justified for their reason in six as it was justified for Billy's reason in one. And I also thought it was cool how, like, in Six, they kind of made that, like, museum or whatever of all the different uh, stab movies and all the past events and all, the, and, and doing tribute to, you know, to all the other, you know, ghost face killers. But that, uh, that trio, and even though know, that's my favorite movie, uh, I think, of the series, which is really, it's really hard for me to say Six is my favorite because one is also really great, and I also really enjoyed four a lot, uh, but my favorite killers come from number four. Okay, which is uh, going to be Emma Roberts and uh, Rory Culkin.
1: Dude, Rory Culkin is hideous.
0: <laughs> he is hideous, hideous. But here's he, he, so here, uh, Nev Campbell's character, which is uh, 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 Sydney. Sydney Prescott, uh, she comes back to the hometown where this all starts to do a book signing. And uh, Emma Roberts plays her cousin. And she's so upset that Sydney got like all the presses. always Sydney this, Sydney that, Sydney this. And I think it kinda plays a little bit to some reality here about how family members can become jealous of other family members because they get more of the pre- more of the spotlight or they get coddled more for whatever reasons. And so her Emma Roberts teams up with this like uh I guess I like, got uh, with well Rory colkin who's like the head of the movie club, and uh, they they uh, want to take down uh, Sydney, so that way Emma Roberts could become the new kind of like. You gonna say something?
1: Well, are you talking about um, Sydney or Gail Weathers? Sydney. Okay.
0: So, Emma Roberts can become, like, the uh, new city of the family uh, and get all, like, all the press and all that stuff. So, she even kills her mom. And she talks about the sacrifices she had had to do by killing her mom and all this other stuff. And uh, I just thought how devious that was and, like, how, like, some families uh they they are so they can't be very backstabby against each other when really they should be the ones who have your back right uh and i think it was kind of interesting to see that kind of dynamic there like seeing your own blood coming after you and knowing your weaknesses and using your weaknesses against you and, and how sydney and gail weathers and and uh, dewey all had to come out on top of that one um so that that's my favorite uh killing duo followed up by the uh, original of Billy and uh Stu and Stu all right okay so next one here favorite moment
1: oh man so yeah, it's funny cuz you actually mention it it's literally written down here and it is When they go and experience the movie theater (laughs) that is made basically into a museum (laughs) and a shrine, in a sense, of all the other Ghostface killers. And what it made me think of immediately is another movie I hold dear to heart, which is the unbearable weight of massive Uh. talent (laughs) and... The shrine or museum of relics that Nick Cage has in this museum, including his two guns on this mannequin. And he's like, that thing is absolutely hideous. How much did you pay for that? $20,000 or $5,000, something, something far less than the guns would even sell for today. And he's like, I'll give you $20,000. he's like, no. And was <laughs> like, no. <laughs> And that's literally what it made me think of is like, okay, this is absolutely fantastic. Because it is another version of appreciation. Love it, hate it. You don't have to love everyone else's appreciation of art or culture or uh, gods, saints, sinners, lovers, fools uh, with any of that. But what you have to do is still acknowledge that they went to that extreme, that it was that big of a deal. And I loved that. It was literally my favorite scene because if I had truly just money to burn after feeding, all the people that were starving on the planet, I would have shrines like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I think my favorite moment is actually from the original, and you brought this up. It's when uh, Billy and Stu uh, are like in a final act. They're like, okay, so now we're going to make it look like you're the killer, so we're going to hurt each other. And uh, Billy stabs Stu, and he's like, I forget exactly what he says, but he's basically like, dude, you were like for you, this is what you said you're going to do. This like went further and all that stuff. I you, you kind of do it better than I ever <laughs> could.
1: I, I, I had it when we were watching episode five, we were like-
0: Billy, I really hurt. You went too deep. (laughs) Yeah, something like that. But the way he does that, like, like his character was perfect for like the way that actor is. Like that was perfect for the character at that particular time. And that was like that was like. Out of all the screen movies, that's the one moment that I totally remember out of all of them.
1: Well, and it was so perfect because you have Billy, who is most likely a true sociopath yeah. and who is not afraid to kill anyone. And, and Stu succumbs to this desire to be his cohort and literally stabs him, and he's got blood coming out of his mouth. He's like, That really hurt. And <laughs> it's like he doesn't care if you live or die, you idiot. You
0: are a tool, just like the knife he just stabbed you with. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And then the other things I like about all the movies is there's always a movie expert. And how they always say, like, the rules. These are the rules. You know, in the first movie, I, I don't remember who the kid was, but he was also in the second movie. Uh, but there was a crossover in the second movie because there's the movie class. And in the movie class, you had Timi- Timothy Oliphant, who was also uh in, a, in that movie class who says like the movie he's gonna say like he's gonna kill all these people and use oh the movies maybe do it type of excuse and i i think back during that time frame there was like uh a lot of like litigation going on about like whether or not games cause people to hurt people or books, or books yeah. yeah so kind of like uh a very big uh reflection of society at that time i guess and um the other thing i noticed about all these movies is they always seem to use like the characters that were kind of big within like the like teenies uh uh low 20 (laughs) age group of like who were the 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 it guys right or the it people like uh you know emma roberts back uh during that time frame like there's emma roberts and uh I forget uh her name, but that she was in the bond headed girl that was in Heroes, I uh, was in uh episode four. Uh number one, you had Courtney Cox, she was, she was like really big at that time with like friends, and then Nev Campbell was really big with some of her movies. And then Drew those, Barrymore was in it. Drew Barrymore <laughs> was in that. And then uh who were the uh Skeet Ulrich and Matt Lillard, uh they were kinda of big at that time. They were huge. Timothy Olefan was like—he was kind of like a teen job at that time. I think he actually didn't get like really big until he did uh, *Justified*. That—that's just my opinion. I really loved him in uh, uh, that—the movie was like uh, *Is the Juice Worth the Squeeze*? Uh, *The Girl Next Door*. Oh, that's like one of my top ten movies. That's just
1: a great movie in general. Totally underrated.
0: Yes. (laughs) Every time I hear that song that goes along with that, that's—I always think of that movie. Juice Worth the Squeeze. Um, no. <laughs> the, I think the worst of the movies, though, had to be uh, Scream 3. But I don't know. Anything you want to add to these?
1: No, it's interesting because it is something to consider. What is it, whether it is a Scream movie franchise or a Nightmare on Elm Street movie franchise? Uh these go on and on so then you've got Halloween and you've got Friday the 13th and I think it was actually in one of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies where Wes Craven plays a teacher oh, for does. one of the classes and he's talking about it. And he's like, this is all based on a culture trying to give a message off of don't have premarital sex or X or Y or Z and it is no different than the specialists in every one of these screen movies. Here's what's going to happen first. It's always going to be the first and closest to you. You're not going to believe that, X, Y, and Z, and it's all true. And Wes Craven literally laid it out in Nightmare on Elm Street. It is not a code, and I think that is the brilliance of these movies is it actually is more um impactful and uh, empowered once you tell the audience here's what's coming just like uh, Alfred Hitchcock did hey by the way these birds are all <laughs> gonna go crazy and come and try to kill you so uh, run for the hills and I oh, don't know we're gonna be fine they're just birds and then what happens or psycho or any of these movies uh, vertigo a prime example oh so you're afraid of heights at some point you You're going to have to go up high and it's going to become a problem. We know that just from the title. You don't even have to go into the movie and start watching it. We know the problem of this movie. And that is what they do in the Scream franchise is they let you know from the opening scene, the first kill. And it is there's someone out here to do some damage. And it's going to be obvious. And there's literally you're going to know who it is at the end. But there's nothing you can do until
0: then. And the other thing I like about the, the Scream franchise is I think it it did a decent enough job, especially with five and six at this point, to help bring back like the slasher move the campy slasher movie vibe. Because you gotta admit, there's something back in like the eighties with like Friday the thirteenth and Halloween and all that with like the like the campy slasher movies that that were just fun to watch. Yes, they're kinda like uh you obviously they're a little bit violent. They're a little bit gory. Might be a little bit nudie. Might be a little bit nudie. Sexy.
1: We all like that. Yeah.
0: These five and six is sexy, but not no nudity. But it does bring back that campy, like uh, slasher movie stuff, which kind of like if you grew up in the eighties or nineties, or or even have appreciation for those slasher movies from way back then. It kind of just brings back that nostalgia which i think is kind of fun
1: right back down to salem's not a lot nosferatu um the the it goes on and on and on and i think that was a brilliant tie whether it was planned and it was part of a contractual deal or not but jenna ortega in scream 5 which uh didn't come out till 2022 i have to imagine it was filmed earlier than that since scream through six came out in 2023 i don't think they popped these bad boys out one after the other. Um, I imagine that, uh, Wednesday, the, the series was filmed in between the two. And so there was just a COVID delay, but it was well done and her impact in these movies and she got the crap kicked out of her in one and it ultimately gives you this whole different sense of and if they want to she's in five six seven eight nine ten you know that's how many fingers you got she can easily be in that many movies it's one of those things because she survived and I also like that piece of that you have a new piece of blood and the old one also. And they both survived. And that is, I love a fighting spirit. We need that. We need more of that. It doesn't always have to be that, like in Friday the 13th, that everyone dies. It can be much like in Scream, where, yeah, people get stabbed, but they have a fighting chance and they have to decide and they have to take it and they have to use their melons. (laughs) But use your
0: melons and you might just survive. I think there, I think there'll at least be one more stat. I was about to say stab, but one more uh, scream uh, movie. Because I think the way it ended, I think it leaves it open for another scream.
1: Um, Um, I think it absolutely does. And uh, you mentioned, what was her name? Jenna Ortega's cohort, her sister. Uh, Is uh, it... uh, It's Man, I can't remember her name.
0: I can pull it up here.
1: But... She also did, and you mentioned it, a fantastic job um, being the sister, the downfall, uh, the one who was not. Sam? Yes, Sam, um, who was not the legitimate sister of uh, the ultimate victor. of
0: um, uh, Tara? Yes. Yeah, you know, he, I think going back to like we look at five and six, and you find out that Sam is the daughter of Billy. And when you look at, and we go rewatch number one, all you see is Billy's, uh, Billy has only slept with, as far as you know, <laughs>
1: it was Craven spelled that out in Nightmare on Elm Street.
0: It was uh, Sidney <laughs> Prescott. But we learn many, many moons later that he was, uh, well, I think in that movie, and one, we know that he slept with uh, Sidney Prescott's mom. But then we also know <laughs> that he uh, obviously slept with another person and got that person pregnant, which I don't think we ever meet Sam's mom. All we know is that she's a drunk and she talks a lot.
1: Well, yes, and so here's the next interesting piece uh, of living the uh, future other episodes, but that is, like, yeah, no kidding, he's going to sleep with as many people as he can, and the only reason he's sleeping with her is because he's trying to get back at her mom and his dad.
0: I don't know why he'd be so concerned about getting back at her for his uh, her, if he slept with her mom. Like that's already, that's already damaged enough,
1: dude. I'm not saying it makes <laughs> sense, I'm just saying he's a teenage boy and we were all there. It didn't make sense, and we all did
0: stupid shit.
1: True, do
0: that. <laughs> sorry. Like sometimes I'm like, sorry I to I'm the a guy who alive. I threw the, the, yeah. co- the coke on. <laughs>
1: Perfect shot, by the way. That was meant to be you can that was cosmic.
0: Like, that was just perfect timing, physics, uh, speed, velocity. It was...
1: uh, Literally, there was a 0.01% chance that could work, and it worked. Nailed it. (laughs) You're literally shooting into the sky, praying you're hitting a flying alien, and poof, he lands. Damn, got him. (laughs) Total chest shot, dude. Dude, totally Unbelievable. Sorry.
0: (laughs) Whoever you are out there, I really am sorry now that I'm older.
1: If you find them, put on your red lipstick, put on your kill list. No, 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 no. I'm apologizing. You'll buy you a Diet Coke.
0: I probably do owe you a Coke or water.
1: (laughs) Or car cleaning.
0: He's riding a bicycle. (laughs) Oh, who's the other person that we... Sean. Was that me or you? Uh that was you as well. That was me too? <laughs>
1: that was like a one in a million shot as well. Well, I know. Dude you, just, if Noah's chasing you and has a soda in hand, run. <laughs> or if he's in front of you, break. Like just do not get next to him, particularly at forty plus miles per hour.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sean and the other guy. <laughs> Total random guy, I don't know.
1: It's just unbelievable.
0: It was really. (laughs) All right, so to wrap up here. uh, Anything else we want to say about Scream? No, it, it was
1: a fun revisitation of some horror classics, if you will. And I say that because we're spanning. 27 years, almost three decades of a series, so it's not as long as a Halloween or a Friday the 13th, but I don't even think uh, Nightmare on Elm Street lasted that long.
0: No, and I think there's something different about this versus Halloween. Halloween tried to do like multiple restarts. Where here it wasn't quite a restart, it was a requel, but like there's enough of like the same formula on number five that could relate back to number one he has some legacy characters but then he got some new characters so it was different enough to be like just to be a continuation which i think makes it better um all right i guess uh unless there's anything else i'd say uh, what is our next week's topic
1: All right, without any surprise, I'm sure next week's topic, Smarter Challenge, is to go and watch John Wick for uh, a movie review. And this is a tough one because, man, I hear it doesn't end well. Not for John
0: Wick. Last
1: one, well, 100% agree. And for next week's scotch, we really considered doing Blanton's bourbon, but this is just not a bourbon's podcast. So maybe some point we'll pay an homage and do a comparison with a scotch and a Blanton's, maybe for the final chapter of John Wick. But for next week, we have the Blanton's 11 year old non chill filtered annual release lowland. Single malt scotch whiskey.
0: Hanging out with the lowlands. I got friends in low <to be good> places. And the whiskey runs and the beer chases. I wanted the women to chase. I <laughs> blues away. There and we go. I'll be okay. away. <laughs> All right. With that, uh, thank you everyone for watching us. If you made it this far, we greatly appreciate it. Uh, uh So once again, thank you for those of you who watch us on YouTube and Rumble and for all of you that listen to us on one of the many uh, different platforms uh, for the Audible version of our podcast. Uh, if you want to become a patron member, please look down below. The very first link is a link uh, to become a patron member for as low as $1. That actually goes back into us investing into our podcast and all the multiple scotches that we review for you or the movies we go see for you or or maybe it's just for us. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but uh, with that, I'll pass the, uh, the finishing touches on to Jesse to close us out.
1: All right. So uh, Log of 16 did not disappoint. Remember, life is great. Please drink responsibly. Get an Uber. If you've had too much to drink, get a friend, get something, walk, sleep it off. Do not drink and drive. Uh, please just be smart around that. As Noah mentioned, give us feedback. We have used it. Anyone who's given us feedback knows that we have. Uh, challenge us if we have not. We do appreciate any feedback because we want to make this great for all of us and in particular, you our viewers. And until next week,
0: this is where we're going.
1: What's that? I don't know. Where are we going? Dude. Till next week. Till next week.
0: Scotchman. Cheers. Cheers. we hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch hour. If you did, please like, share and subscribe also if you have not done so already please become a patreon member with memberships starting as low as one dollar a month thank you and hopefully you have a wonderful year.